in Colossians, we'll get right into it, shall we? Verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 3, if I didn't tell you that. Verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. We established the fact, if you were here last week, we talked extensively about wives submitting to their husbands. That is just one area because we're talking about who should submit to whom. And this is one area and an important area, of course, of submission. But we also said that there are, you know, we asked the question, are wives to always obey their husbands in everything? And uh, we said this, that uh, if the husband is going opposite of the head of the church, then you are to submit to the head of the church before you submit to the head of the home. Understood that. And so right here, this scripture just backs it up because it didn't, didn't just say wives submit to your husbands um, unconditionally, but as is fitting in the Lord, which lets you know that there may be times where it's not fitting in the Lord. Amen. And then husbands, verse 19 says, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Oh, how I wish I could take, preach on nothing but, but marriage and family for a long time. Uh, because so many poor wives have had to deal with a, with a short, rough, talking husband. Amen. And, uh, well, anyhow, but I can't just preach on that. Amen. Children, verse 20. Obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. We talked about children submitting to mom and dad, not just to obey, not just to get a long life, but children, uh, kids, teenagers, you interested in pleasing God at all? Well, I don't know. Well, we'll get knowing about it. You want to please God? The answer is, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, me. I want to please God. I want to be a God pleaser because when we please God, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know that when we come to him, uh, he, will he will reward those that diligently seek Him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You want the reward? Do some obeying yeah. consistently. Yeah. Fathers, oh, what a good verse this is. And here again, this isn't our subject, but um, wish it was. We'll read it anyhow. Fathers, do not embitter your children or be excessively hard on your children or what will happen. You'll, they'll become discouraged. And so we must be careful uh, look, their hearts haven't been, become as hard as, as some, so many adults' hearts. And so you can, you can do what you think is, is a correct degree of uh, hardness and firmness, and it may overwhelm them. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and really, I found this out. They, they might not let you know right then and there. And that's even, that's even tougher when they really, really get hurt more than, more than, was, than was necessary and you don't even find out until you come, you know, see him wiping tears away in another room. Amen. Let's be careful, all of us. Right now, uh, we want to get to verse 22 today. And it says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Um, now, let me stop right here long enough to say that most people might say, you know, read verse 18. Wives. OK, yeah, that applies to women. Uh, who are married. Husbands, yeah, that applies to men who are married. Children, yeah, that's all of us. We were all born to somebody. Fathers, yeah, that's me. Slaves, we don't need to deal with that because we don't have those. Let's go right, right down to another verse, right? But uh, we want to talk about this today because it does apply more than, than, than you might think. And let me say this. Uh, another way to think of this word slaves would be to use the word employees. Um, 
Now, when you and I think of slavery, we think back to American history class, you know, and we think about brutality, right? How many know the kind of slavery that, that we've been taught about is wrong? It was never God's plan, never has been. God is not an endorser of slavery, but look, they had, they had a type of slavery back then, and so th these things were written under the present conditions, here's how to act, here's what to do, okay? But you need to understand this, that, that in those days, they did not have the system of economics and, and the, the type of employment. You know, you didn't just go fill out a job application, get your paycheck, do a direct deposit or something like that, go home, pay your rent type thing. Look, if, if you needed work, you would go indenture yourself to somebody. Amen. They would take you, they would give you your room and board and sometimes pay, but yet you weren't free to come and go as you please. And this is, and I'm not saying that there wasn't any of the brutal kind of slavery going on. I'm sure there was, but there was a kind of slavery that was very much like our employer-employee relationship. And, and quite honestly, a lot of it was very humane. It was just basically their system of employment. And so instead of seeing the word slaves here, let's just think of the word employee or employers. And this would be number six of the things we've talked about, talking about who's supposed to submit to whom. Employees are to submit to their employers. And, and which is true. Let's read it here now in verse 22. Slaves or employers, employees, obey your earthly masters or your employers in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you. In other words, not only when they're looking over your shoulder to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart. So what you do at work is supposed to be, your heart's supposed to be in it, right? And reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, verse 23 says, work at it. So this is talking about what? Work. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. This is talking about, hey, when you're in a position where you're working for men, that's employment. You need to understand that you are not just working for men, right? If this is part of God's plan for your life, you are also working for him. But yet those men, in a sense, and in this situation, represent him because they have authority over you. Now, why would you want to work for the Lord, not just for men? Verse 24, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Listen, brother and sister, one of the greatest reasons to be a Christian and go to work is that you don't just get your paycheck. You get something from him, too. He'll, you get paid double and better than double. Did it say that, that if, you can, if you can work for him while you're working for them, that there'll be an inheritance of reward for you? Amen. You think I don't get paid too much. <laughs> you're probably right. But you, you're, not just get, you're not just working for them. You're working for him. And I trust me that he knows how to take care of you. He knows how to pay. Amen. And you don't have to wait to heaven for all of it. He will get some of it to you down here because sometimes you need it down here. Praise the Lord anyhow. Glory to God. Let us talk a little bit about this. There's a saying that you hear, and I think it's never been more true, that good help is hard to find. How many have heard that? And do you, would you agree that that might be true today? 
Why is that? Is the reason that good help is hard to find because people are less educated than they ever have been or that they have less skill than they ever have been? I don't think that's necessarily a reason. I think the reason it's hard to find good help is because not a lot of people understand authority. They don't understand work ethic. I mean, you go to a lot of employees, they don't even know what work ethic is. What's that? Work ethic is right here. You do it not just when they're looking at you, but you do it with, with a degree of excellence all the time because you're not just working for them, you're working for God. But I've seen this increasingly much um, since, since I was young enough to, to notice these things or care that people in the workplace often have big problems responding to authority. There are reasons why workplaces have supervisors and managers, and those reasons are to train and correct. Huh? If, I mean, if everybody who was an employee always did a perfect job, nobody would need to be looking out. Right? I mean, you just know they're always perfect. <laughs> That's why if, if you can find somebody that does it really good all the time, you love them because that's less work for you. A amen. And that's, that might be a, a one less manager they even have to hire because they know they don't have to be looking over your shoulder all the time. You got it going on. Amen. And so whether you're in the workplace as an employee or if you're a volunteer at your kid's school, if you're a volunteer here at the church, here's something very, very important to understand. And this, it's this. If you are not the head, then you are helping somebody else. Could you say amen today? Most people, we've taught on how to help, you know, because we have a helps ministry here. And there is absolutely no way for the pastor, he's not supposed to do all the work of the ministry himself. Uh, there would be no time left for preparing this kind of ministry. But really, the job of the minister is to train the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen. And so most people, though, you find out that they, if they do help, at work or wherever, they will help the way they feel like helping. And, and I don't think we've talked about this enough in our society and because that is rebellion. Amen. Just to do something, well, yeah, I know they, they like it done this way, but I feel like doing it this way or I have a better idea. Rebellion. Rebellion. That's not submission. Right? That'll mess things up for you if you do that. Want to know how I know? I learned these things just like you're learning these things, had to learn these things. And, and so it is an absolute truth that you are not helping effectively unless you find out and help that individual the way they want it done. Can you say amen? Unless you're helping somebody the way they want you to help, you're not helping effectively. And what a lot of effort might be going to waste. Amen. I've told the story before how when we came in here to this building at first, before any of you were with us, we hadn't started the church. We, didn't, we had just moved here. We didn't know anybody. We knew we were supposed to get the church going right away. And we had some individuals helping. I mean, of course, some were really, really good. But we'd have individuals who weren't even believers. Didn't really. They just found out about the project, maybe through my father-in-law who was helping or somebody like that. And they'd come by and help. And sometimes it was completely the way they felt like doing it. And guess what? You couldn't wait for them to leave because you knew you had to go back and undo it. <laughs> right? 
Amen. And so, you know, when you help around here, we, we do our best to tell you how we want it done. We have one big rule, and that is excellence. Amen. Amen. I, I'm not saying we've been perfect about it, and I think, I, I, you know, every once in a while you let things go because, uh, you know, you just got a system going and people are carrying it out. Every once in a while, I think we need to get peop- everybody together and say, hey, let's just go over what we set out to do here and make sure we're doing it that way. Amen. Because things slip, right? Don't they? It's easy for that to happen if you don't stay on top of things. And so uh, we tell you how to do it, not to be bossy, but that so you know what the standards are. Amen. But it wouldn't hurt if you didn't know. Come ask. In case we forgot to tell. In your employment, when you bend to your employer and when you defer to them, you don't do it just for the sake of the paycheck, as we've said. You're doing it unto the Lord as though you're doing it for Him personally. Have we seen this like we should? Let's remind ourselves of this. I told the story Wednesday night. If some of you weren't here, I'll repeat it now. Talking about doing things for the Lord personally. He sees it that way. But I told Wednesday night about a situation that happened not too long ago um, where we helped an individual move. And uh, Brother Tyler and I helped. Do you remember this? And uh, we were just working our tails off. Really, really hard work. And and it was just the two of us. And and we were going after it, going after it. We're really getting, um, you know, all kinds of help from other places. So we were just doing it and getting a little worn out. Remember what happened when we were in the truck with God spoke to me? We were, in the, we were in the truck and I was just, you know, wiping the sweat off and started to grumble. And the Lord spoke up on the inside and said, thank you for helping me move. You remember that? If we just both got excited, I told him we both got excited. We're moving Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Didn't Jesus say, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Oh, we went back. We were happy on the second trip. <laughs> Amen. Hey, we were. And so when you submit to your employer, you are submitting to the Lord. It's part of it. Let's talk about this, okay? We talked last time about, well, you know, are there times where you're not, wives, you're not always supposed to submit to your husbands if they're going contrary to the Lord and want you to go with them, right? You know better than to do that. Well, let's talk about this. What if your employer doesn't treat you fairly? Amen. And what did we say about husbands and wives? If the head of the home is going a different way than the head of the church, we follow the head of the church in that area. Right? Does that mean that you pack your suitcase and say, well, you know, you told me not to go to church on Sunday, so I am moving out. I'm filing papers. You will be hearing from my lawyer. No, no, that would, that would be going too far the other direction, wouldn't it? In most cases. But, but so the same truth holds, holds here for, um, you know, if you're working for an employer and you find out that they want you to do something that is just flat on godly, just plain wrong, just obviously wrong. Well, you know, you don't need to pray about that too much, especially if it's illegal. Huh? Get looking in the papers and look in your heart. And so, look, but what so many times when people do, they may be in an employment situation where, well, it's not illegal. 
It's not even ungodly, but it's uncomfortable. And they do the equivalent of the wife packing her bags and leaving because the husband wanted to miss church. Right? What am I saying? Sometimes the employer gets a little bit uncomfortable. I'm out of here. It's happened more than once, hasn't it? We better get in the word here before before you think I'm going off. First Peter 2, if you would, just a couple chapters over from Colossians. First Peter, are you there? First Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says this. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. Verse 17 says, show proper respect for everyone. We could say it this way, couldn't we? Give everyone their rightful place. And and this is Peter's writing, but isn't it sound so similar to what Paul taught? Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Now verse 18 is a, is a scripture that's similar to what we looked at in Colossians. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Now let's say it this way. Let's read it this way. Employees, submit yourselves to your employers with all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also... To those who are harsh. Did you hear that? Well, what if they don't treat you right? <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Barring, you know, if it's, not un- if it's not totally ungodly, if it's not illegal, you know God called you there, to, that's where you're supposed to be. What are you supposed to do if they don't, if they're harsh to you? Give you two weeks notice. Don't give your notice. Just leave. Because they were harsh to you. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Is it possible that God would want you to stay in an uncomfortable job situation? Or an uncomfortable volunteer situation? Hmm? Would he want you to stay? And so many people, the way they answer that, well, it depends on the money. Right? And how many have heard the phrase, my frustration level can be bought? Huh? It's a pain to be here, but if they paid me twice as much, I wouldn't care so much. I could deal with it. And look, I hope you know that good money in and of itself is no reason to stay at a place. And bad money or no money... If it's a volunteer thing, it's usually no money. That's what volunteer means. That is not a reason to up and leave. And a harsh leader is not an excuse to disobey. The will of God will include for your life some built-in suffering. I promise you it will. And it it will include in your life many opportunities to practice bending in ways you didn't think you could bend. Why would God put that in your life? 
Because there might be days where I tell you this, here's the reason. He will someday want to ask you to do something. And if you haven't practiced bending, you will not even be able to hear it from him. And he won't even ask because he knows you couldn't hear it. Have you discovered, anybody here who's ever gotten older, have you discovered that your body loses flexibility and bendability from when the time you, you were, you know, two years old and little boys can eat their own toes and smell their own feet? Huh? Now you try, not that I try to do that, but, but you know. And until, you know, sometimes you talk to older, older people and they say, well, I'd bend down and touch my toes, but I'm what? Concerned that I can't get back up again. And you understand, though, that if you practice all along stretchings and exercises, you can retain a lot of that flexibility. And, and what happens to some people outwardly, what I just talked about, happens inwardly, too. And the older they get, the less flexible and the less bending they want to do. But the opposite should be true. The more you walk with God, the easier it ought to be for you to bend. Go ways that, oh, I wasn't planning to go this way, but it's God. Here we go. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, if you won't bend for people, you're not going to bend for God. Praise the Lord. Well, let's talk about my employer just barks orders at us and is short with us and talks down to us. Here's what you do. You want to know what to do. Number one, follow his orders. Number two, take the correction. <laughs> Your job is not to be concerned about the delivery. Is it right for an employer to be harsh? No, he needs to get in the Word and read some things about himself. But that's not your deal. Your deal is, what are you told to do, slaves? <laughs> Submit to your earthly masters. Huh? And so if, if, he's, if he just says do something, and you didn't necessarily like the delivery, you need to learn to forget about that. You need to learn to follow orders. Take the correction. We've created a society of big babies who refuse to grow up and cannot take any correction at all. Amen. I, I, I mean, maybe if you proceed the correction by five minutes of compliments and soft tones and how wonderful we are and how happy we are to have you. And oh, there's this one little thing. Then maybe. Do you know there's times that Jesus, check this out, Jesus at times rebuked his disciples in front of a lot of other people. Publicly rebuked them. You know what a rebuke is? I mean, the Bible says he would rebuke the devil. Then another place he rebuked his disciples. And the word rebuke can mean to speak Almost abusively, too. I'm not saying that Jesus ab abused people, but you give some people any correction at all. They're verbally abusing me. No, you're a baby. Wah! Rude! Do you know? I want you to notice something. Jesus 
never lost one of those 12 disciples. Well, the, well, the one he did, of course. <laughs> we, but we knew he rebuked them. He at least spoke strongly to them. You know, you, as a leader, you don't always have time to spend the five minutes giving compliments before you need to say what needs to be said. People sometimes need strong correction. And may I be so bold today as to say you sometimes need strong correction. What is a correction? It's an adjustment to get you back on the right path. And if a strong correction comes your way, the first thing you ought to think is not, how can I sue this individual for verbal abuse? The first thing you need to think is, wow, am I that far off that they needed to do this so strongly? Now, your flesh will not think of that. But I'm trying to program into you today. If there is a strong correction, you got off big. Hmm? You know, when when pilots fly an airplane, most of the time they're on autopilot, and you don't know how many corrections are being made to stay on course. I mean, you, you might think you're flying to Arizona and end up in South America if, if, if corrections weren't being made. And so those corrections don't disturb you. They're soft. They're easy. But if you come out of the clouds and see a mountain in front of you, that pilot's not going to get on the thing and say, now everybody just want to prepare you for the fact that we're going to be making us, you know, kind of a major correction here coming up. We're going to do our best to circumvent the mountain that's 50 feet in front of us. <laughs> you want that pilot to jerk you half out of your clothes. I mean, you want him to, whoa, make a big, major correction yes. to get back on course. Yes. And if you can't take any correction from people, how are you going to receive any correction from God? Amen. You can't. So your decision when a, when a correction comes your way and your employer was mean or harsh or just didn't say it the way you like to say you you have a decision to make. Are you going to accept it and take it or are you going to rebel against it? And you may feel embarrassed if he said it in front of other people. Your pride may be hurt. You may have felt belittled and the person given that correction may have been unnecessarily harsh. But that's irrelevant. You have to take it. And as we talked about submission, you have to express the fact that you're receiving that correction and show your submission. And so you should say, thank you, sir, for pointing that out. I'll fix that. I'm I'm sorry I didn't do it right. And what, what so many people do, are you here today? What so many people do today, won't look them in the face, whatever. You really want to delay your blessings that much? You really want to toss out the authority God wants you to have? And don't punish them by calling off from work on the day they really need you to get back at them. Huh? This is not just between you and them. It's between you and God. And sometimes he will put you in that situation to teach you how to bend because he wants to use you in ways that you're not even open to right now. Turn to your neighbor, why don't you tell him when it gets hot in the kitchen, stay put.
by staying, everybody say staying, by staying and submitting, you qualify yourself for promotion and increase. If you leave and rebel, you'll delay that. I'll tell you a story in my life, can I? Oh, hallelujah. Man, this is so important. Um, I didn't know this always or even know about this. I remember one time when I first started in ministry, I was traveling with a music group. I was really privileged to, to be doing what I was doing. I mean, I was in a different church every single night. And most, uh, I mean, there wasn't a church we went to that was less than seven, 800 people. You know, a lot of times there were thousands. And uh, we're traveling around, but I'm just new to a lot of these things. I'm not that old in the Lord, didn't grow up in these things, and a little bit out of college. And I, I pretty well didn't have a good track record of responding to authority, you know, and I'd be critical. I remember the leader of this group one time, he made a decision that I didn't agree with. And, uh, you know, because I'm 22 and I really know a lot. And so I didn't agree with, and, and you know, after he was gone, we were, we were on our bus traveling somewhere and, and a group of us got talking about it. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I think about him. I think he's a blankety blank. And I, I said something that I really haven't even sa- hadn't even said much since I gotten saved. But I just called him a name. And, uh, you know, they looked at me. I mean, this is what I'd always do if a professor in college was, you know, we just get together and rip them, rip them apart. You know, my high school band director, I thought I was a better musician than he was. I may have been. I don't know. <laughs> but that, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. We might not get to it, but kids are to submit to their teachers. Amen. And uh, so everybody looked at me, though, on the bus like, brother, you are way out of line saying that. And I'd never thought about it. Quite honestly, I'd never thought about it before. But I'll tell you, my heart just beat the daylights out. I mean, the Lord was all over me. If they hadn't said anything, the Lord did. And I realized for the first time, because now I'm trying, now I'm, you know, trying to be sensitive to God. I'm growing. I realized how far off I was and how wrong it was to speak against the individual who just gave me my start in ministry. Whether he was right or whether he was wrong doesn't matter. He was over me in the Lord, and I, what was I doing, too? Besides saying what I said, I was trying to cut his legs out from under him for all the rest of the people that were around. You know how much this happens? In in workplace, talking about the management. You ought not to. We read in Jude about, you ought to be afraid to speak evil of dignitaries or people above you. Oh, man, we could talk about. Well, so then let me talk about another story, though, about one of the ways I learned this. Because, you know, we got past that, whatever. But then uh, we went, my wife and I went to Rama Bible Training Center, 1993. And uh, we went through Bible school there. And at the time we went, there was over, I think there was over 20,000 graduates at the Bible school. At that time, there's more now, a lot more. And of those 20,000 people, Approximately 15 people got to help Brother Hagen close and travel with him. And by the goodness of God, he put me in as one of those 15. There's a lot of those 20,000 who would have liked to have been doing that. 
And so you can understand, you know, we were living in an area, and if you hadn't been there and you hadn't seen it, it might be hard to understand. But, I mean, there wasn't hardly anybody who lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that didn't know who Kenneth Hagin was. I mean, virtually everybody. And if you were one of his helpers, you just may as well wise up to the fact that everyone knows you too. And so it get to be where, I mean, it felt like half the people in, you know, I'm out there in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. How would you like to live in a place called Broken Arrow? And, you know, we're out there and we go to a restaurant. Don't you, don't, don't you help Brother Hagen? Yeah. Yeah. Good. And then I come here to pastor the church. And we go back three years later and every restaurant we go to, hey, weren't you with Brother Hagen? Like, yeah, but I haven't been back in town in three years. And so you could see how. From, from the outside perspective, they look, people would look at that and say, boy, they have like a glamour job, you know. And I know it's hard for you to think of a minister having rock star status, especially when the minister's in their late 70s and 80s. But it really was that way. It really was. And, and so, you know, you have this glamour job because people think, well, all this group does is they, they get on their $600,000 bus, and that's how much our bus was, raise the money in, two, in uh, four weeks without any big pulls, just the offerings that came in. Brother Hagin said, we need to buy the singers and band a new bus. The bus they're in is, is they just worn it out. And that's all he said, man. The money just came. People wanted to give to it. So we had a $600,000 bus. Amen. It was nice. And uh, people thought you just ride on your bus. You just, you stay in expensive hotels. You walk on stage. You run around, you dance a little bit, you get people fired up, turn it over to Brother Hagen, and you sit down and relax. Get a bunch of money for food each day, you know. And I, I guess they never thought about who, who sets up all the stuff, who actually drives the vehicles, who, you know, who had to count the offering. We, we, and I'll tell you, we, you were tired after one of those meetings because you were doing it all. But I, I, here's something I want to say. That though it seemed like a glamour job, I paid a price to do that for seven years that very few people know I paid. And the price was suffering in uncomfortable situations. Now, in case you're thinking, well, was Brother Hagen mean to you? No, not at all. No, he was, the Hagens were great to me. But you understand when you have 350 employees... 20,000 graduates in the school, 5,000 people in the church, a couple thousand churches underneath you that are pastored by your grads, that you get a lot of other people to do the overseeing, right? And if you don't know what it's like to put your heart and soul into a, a project, uh, you know, I, I've been asked to do a music project, a recording project. Man, I just worked and sacrificed, you know, time with my family, with my wife. At that time, that's all we had. And... Uh, just really was working hard, and I, I get together to meet with one of my superiors, and they said, oh, there's no anointing on this. Go start over. What are you supposed to say? Okay, I'll, I'll get going on it. And inside, you want to say, rat, rat, and rat, and rat, rat, and rat, and they don't know what they're talking about anyhow. And they hadn't been to seven years of music school. Oh, man. And so you don't, you know, and have people over you who didn't have a clue about what it was that you did or how, it's, how you do it. And so there was all kinds of situations 
where it was just painfully uncomfortable long term. And I was supposed to be there. Going to a church where you couldn't stand the music. Now it got better. <laughs> but when we first got there, <laughs> I mean, we just, we, just, we just come off the road with a professional music group. And we just looked at each other and said, oh, dear Lord Jesus. God called us here. And it was like a combination of every hokey two-beat thing you've ever heard. It's out in the middle of the Midwest, you know. <laughs> One way to make sure that the music doesn't change for the better is to up and leave. And the Lord dealt with me. I want you to go volunteer in that orchestra. Oh. It's like going back to junior high band. And I did it every week, a couple times a week. Now, there's a reason that I'm bringing this up and saying this. And it's not to waste your beautiful day. But the reason is that the authority that I walk in in my life and ministry today is a result of my submission back then. And, and you don't know it so much of the time. You know, ministry goes on outside of the pulpit, but there have been numerous times where somebody has come to me and said, well, pastor, you know, the doctors are saying this and this will happen and this will happen. And God has allowed me to just look at them and say, it won't happen that way. It's not going to happen that way. You don't have to have that procedure done. You don't have to just accept that report and the thing change. Now, I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God. But what is that? I'm standing in my place of authority and, and able to be, I promise you, that if I had blown up in certain situations. Hmm? I did all the hard work writing a song that God gave me. Somebody else put their name on it. Didn't give me any credit because they were over me. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You want some of this? You messing with my craft. You messing with what God gave me. <laughs> Forget about it. Don't tell anybody that it happened. And I, I, man, I got to, I said, Lord, I am going to leave this place at the right time on good terms with everybody. And I did. I went to leave. I went and saw the, uh, the person who had hired me, a fellow named Craig Hagen. Craig said, you've, asked, you've done everything we've asked you to do. And you've done it well. Thank you. And there were so, but it seemed like there was no way I could leave on good terms. It seemed like I was going to kill everybody. What was I doing? I was, I was getting opportunities to bend in ways I didn't think I could bend so that when God said, I want you to move to the middle of the, the frozen tundra and go start a church, and, and the first day we come, we have two people, and the first year we have five people, and the Lord dealt with me, rent this whole place and pay for it every month. I couldn't have bent to do that if I wasn't in practice bending. <laughs> oh, Hallelujah. Have I given you enough today? I think I have. Oh, praise the Lord. Why, well, why don't you stand up today? Isn't there a lot of truth in, in that we're talking about? Huh? And it's not really the most fun thing to deal with. Anybody here, instead of saying amen, you feel like saying ouch? <laughs> amen. But can you, can you see how these things really and truly do affect Affect whether God can use you. Affect whether you get in areas of uh, mm -hmm. places that he wants you to do. Mm -hmm. Affect whether you ever find that man or that woman that you're believing for. Yeah. 
Lots of things. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you today. Thank you for these truths. Help us have a greater understanding of all areas of authority so that we can be like Jesus, so that we can represent you in the earth and bring you much glory. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.